Today's BG podcast features a discussion between Austin Business Journal editor Colin Pope and Bingham Group CEO AJ Bingham. Originally recorded on the 27th of April, 2018, the two discuss a range of topics including Amazon HQ2, bike and scooter share, code next, the November Austin City Council elections and more. Hi, I'm AJ Bingham, founder and CEO of Bingham Group. I'm here today with Colin Pope, editor-in-chief of the Austin Business Journal. How are you doing, Colin? I'm doing great, AJ. Good to talk to you today. You as well. You as well. It's been a long time coming. Thanks for uh, for meeting with us today. You bet. Great. So I want to get into it. Um, you know, Our city, uh, as you all are well aware, is vibrant. A lot of things going on in the business community and in, in City Hall. And I really wanted to, to pick your brain on what are the top you know, three or four, four or five things you're seeing um, on the beat here and at the ABJ, and what are you know, what's on your mind? Yeah, yeah. Well, what's on the uh, Business Journal reader's mind? Probably, at you know, for the past few months, the most oft question that I have gotten uh, from people is, uh, "What is going on with HQ2?" And do we have a, you know, is this thing coming here, basically? Mm-hmm. And real quick, HQT refers H- to the Amazon uh, second headquarters, second headquarters. National <laughs> Search. A lot of a lot of cities, regions are throwing everything out there to They're get that project. A short list of 20. And what's at stake is a uh, $5 billion project uh, that is going to, uh, uh, over about 10-year period, expected to yield about uh, 50,000 jobs or so. And, uh, you know, these are going to be... Uh, uh, headquarter jobs, high-paying jobs. You know, Amazon kind of has a reputation for not being uh, the best-paying company. You know, a lot of their jobs are quite frankly uh, blue-collar uh, workers who are working in a you know distribution, uh, you know, warehouse kind of setting. Um, but uh, this would be uh, presumably um, kind of a, a tidal wave of tall, gleaming glass towers. You know, uh, that that Amazon's going to bring here. I think ultimately they were looking at. Uh, 8 million square feet, uh, uh, building 8 million square feet of office space here, um, which is huge. It's mm-hmm. tough to put that into, into perspective. In fact, if I can put it into perspective, that's roughly building about 16 Frostbank Towers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what Amazon says it's going to require, you know, over the coming years. If you look at its headquarters up, uh, uh, you know, in Northwest, uh, it's, it's a, you know, they've got a large footprint, very tall buildings up there. Yeah, so. we were in Seattle not too long ago, and um, I mean, the, the Amazon presence is very uh, strongly Yeah, felt, did you so. get a chance to see the building? We did. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was yeah, part the, of the a glass bubbles and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah they have a whole, uh, you know, it's a revitalized uh, waterfront part of that, of the, of the city. Because right. that comes to mind, too, you know, in terms of where we built, right? As right. much of That's them the coming big... here, but also where, um, you know, in the case of Seattle, what I was told by some of the locals there was, I mean, the area that they ended up, Amazon ended up building on was more warehouse in nature anyway, like industrial. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here, as you're well aware, um, you know, space is at a premium in the urban core. Right. And so just, just what, do you, where do, what would you guesstimate they would build? Keeping in mind, we know that the package that that the city of Austin sent to or, or that was submitted to Amazon. Yeah, the it included it was, yeah, the chamber sent. It was yeah. more than just the city. It included it was more. It really it was, was a regional, regional bid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was indeed a regional bid, and uh, nobody know. Well, they know it was chamber, but mm-hmm. you know, us outsiders, we haven't get, uh, been able to take a look at the bid. We don't know exactly which sites were thrown up. 
Um, you know, we do know things like uh, to this point, no incentives have been promised or, or offered. Uh, some other cities and states have gone so far as to say, if you come here, we'll give you X amount. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we uh, haven't gone that far. You know, I know that the uh, the governor's office uh, is is on the case. And, With enterprise uh, funds. Yep, yep. So that that you know ultimately would probably come into the picture, and I got a feeling that they've told. Uh, that, that you know, Texas has told Amazon, well, we're not going to you know give you a number now. We do have the ability to do something you know, mm -hmm. incentive-wise uh, for you, and that might end up being important uh, for Amazon because, quite frankly, the company has a big history of taking government incentives and mm -hmm. uh, in subsidizing its business uh, in that regard. Uh, I believe that's uh, that was the case down in San Marcos, if I remember correctly. They built a distribution center down there, and a lot of these even distribution centers. Uh, tend to get some incentives from the locals or the or the state, but here geographically in Austin, there's not too much of an expectation that they're going to settle downtown. Uh, we don't have a lot of space for eight million. Yeah. Again, sixteen. No. Where are you going to put sixteen Frostbite yeah. towers? Because it wasn't even just the, at least from what we saw in, San, in um, Seattle. Rather, it wasn't just Amazon corporate proper. It was all the different you know I guess ancillary buildings that are built around that expect right. you know, expectation of that apartments. Um, restaurants, everything else is built around there. It's similar yeah. in a smaller scale, but you look at what's happening on Riverside, east side of Austin with um, the Oracle campus over there. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, so it's not just the footprint of Amazon proper, which I'm sure is what they, they, you know, they put out there. It's everything that gets built, but the, the ripple of what gets built around there yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So here, I mean, I think that in, in Austin, uh, you gotta, you know, the, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure St. Marcus uh, uh, is, is in the mix. Uh, and uh, in hopes that they hopefully they get it, but I think most people, from what I've heard, are looking at the north side of the region mm -hmm. as the logical place where Amazon uh, would locate an HQ2 here. Um, in particular, a couple of the, the, the sites that get the most chatter in my world is uh, the Broadmoor campus up near the domain, uh, and then also the domain proper still has plenty of space to to build out. Um, but there's a lot of area in and around the domain, and the Broadmoor campus is the is that where IBM is at right now. It's right across from the domain, across the street from Breaker, and uh, and the owner of that site, Brandywine, is known. They we saw the bid that they actually submitted to Amazon on their own, mm -hmm. and uh, and they had some fancy renderings of all these big buildings that could be you know that could ultimately replace the IBM campus that's there now, which is also big buildings, but they're getting old, and and they could go a lot bigger there. Uh, those IBM buildings probably stretch, if I had to guess, maybe 12 stories high. Uh, and the renderings that we saw were, you know, 40-story, you know, plus skyscrapers uh, that Amazon could ultimately uh, occupy. So outside of the domain area um, and right in and around the domain, then you also have to look at Robinson Ranch, which is across the street from the Apple campus in North Austin. And That's up 183 North. It Correct. is, yeah, yeah. It's more so uh, along Palmer, mm -hmm. uh, Palmer and McNeil. If you know Palmer and McNeil, um, you know that's kind of the the sweet spot. But really, right across the street from Apple is roughly six, seven thousand acres of undeveloped land. Um, part of it's being used for limestone mining right now. But the Robinson family has uh, agreed to at least hear out developers and. Um, seek out their options for that site. Mm -hmm. And it is a massive site that is, we've called it the missing link between 
urban Austin and urban Round Rock. Um, you know, there's just nothing there. It's just a blank site, you know, beautiful fields, got a bunch of blue bonnets around there this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, got railroad tracks running through it, and uh, the limestone company is actually using those railroad tracks right now. Um, but uh, it's also uh, because it's on the rail line, uh, the uh, Howard Lane Station is also on Robinson Ranch. And so one of the things that Amazon wants is access to mass transit. Mm-hmm. Um, now, mass transit could be buses, you know, but I got a feeling that a company like Amazon would, you know, would like a commuter train, you know, rolling right through their campus. And there's not a lot of spots in the Austin area, as you know, that have a train stop for the red yeah. line. Not yet. Um, right. <laughs> not yet. Ultimately, we'll Cap Metro is working on yeah, that, Yeah, and that's, that relates we'll to uh, Capital Metro's uh, Project Connect. Capital Metro is the city's transit authority. Um, and touching on that real quick, I think that's a yeah. good, that is a good segue, and possibly in just to other issues that relate to Austin broadly, yeah. like all businesses. But the idea of just you know of of mass transit in the city, and we have you know the standard buses, and along Mopac we have the um, the the dynamic uh, pricing for um, toll lanes. So, yeah, that's pretty new. Right. We're going to see more of that. Yeah. yeah you, you think know, just so Project Connect, which was which is a uh, you know, I guess a multi-multimodal study and then ex- an ex- executable study by Cap Metro. Yeah. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, I think they put out a map that had, respectively, all the different light rail lines yeah. that go on I mean, green, purple, blue, um, that went up from North Austin down to you know, South Southwest Austin, and such to South Austin. Um, what are you are you hearing anything about that, or what are your just what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I'm I'm not hearing a lot of chatter right now about um, you know more light rail or urban rail, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, they tend not to call it light rail here because uh, the previous light rail proposals passed, so they you know what you were on a brand it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but no, it, and uh, it's kind of a shame too because yeah, it, it, I'm glad you mentioned that there is a master plan out there because every time. Uh, one of these rail proposals comes up for a public vote. As we see, it gets it gets voted down, um, and uh, and people look at it and they say, well, it's just a couple of miles of rail. You know, what is, what is that going to do? I think a lot of people uh, have maybe have valid gripes about the uh, cost of the past proposals that have been put up and the effectiveness of them. Um, but I think uh, one of the things that's been missing from the discussion is that bigger picture, and how is all of this going to connect? You know, ultimately and. 20, 50 years from now. Because mm-hmm. um, one thing that we can't uh, lose sight of is that in 20 years from now, uh, our population is going to be roughly double what it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like clockwork. Uh, you can you can count on that. Uh, and the only thing that you can do is, is plan for that. I don't think we can avoid it. I don't think we want to avoid it either. Uh, I know people, you know, gripe about the change, but, you know, this is a city built on change. And for the past 100 years, our population has doubled in size every 20 years. Yes. So if you're saying, I don't like the way that Austin's going, well, then you've never liked the way that Austin's going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, so the one thing that we, we just can't lose sight of, I'm a firm believer, is is that uh, you can't lose sight of the realities. And the reality is, is that the city is not going to stop growing. Um, and, uh, and that's a good thing. You know, um, that's a good problem to have. You don't want the other problem, which is our city is stopped growing uh, or our city is starting to decline in population. Um, you know, you look at places like Detroit and then you can start to understand why that's a why that's such a bad thing. Um, and, uh, you know, people in, in those types of cities would, would love to be in our position. Uh, and, to, to you know, we've, we've got definitely some huge issues to struggle with. 
Um, but you know, there, there are issues that have been brought on by success. Um, and you know, you're, with everything, there's good and bad. Amazon HBT, we were just talking about that. And people say, is this going to be good or bad? Mm. And I, my answer is both. Uh, I think you, you know, it depends, you know, especially when it's anything economic, you're going to have winners and losers. Um, so, uh, so, you know, that's, that's kind of some of my thoughts on that. Got you. Well, what else is bubbling up there, baby J? Uh, Code Next. Code Next. Lovely. Give a what's a refresher on Code Next? Uh, Just for folks who are maybe new to Austin. Yeah, well, it's been since uh, I think roughly 1987 since the city of Austin has updated its um, land use codes, is what you would say. So this is the zoning. This is um, you know you know basically how you where can you build things and and how big can you build there. Um, what can you build there? Um, all of those things are kind of dictated by our land use, you know, code. And uh, like I said, it's been uh, a long time since we've updated that. And everybody agrees uh, we don't want to keep building the city the way that we were building it back in 1987. Um, you know, we were big on things like uh, auto-oriented shopping centers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, regional malls, you know, just a lot of things are just, you know, they're just obsolete nowadays. And we don't need to plan our city that way. Uh, I think everybody recognizes that. The only thing that every you know, but but nobody can come to a consensus on how do you how do you plan for the future? Um, you know that that's the scariest thing for for Code Next. I think is that um, you know I think everybody agrees we can do better with planning, but nobody can agree on what that better way is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just I, I've seen so many different factions pop up, um, and uh, and. Frankly, a lot of these factions, whether it be, uh, you know, the Real Estate Council of Austin or the, uh, the the Neighborhoods Council, which traditionally will be, you know, both sides of the spectrum there, mm-hmm. uh, opposite sides of the spectrum. Both of them are coming out saying this code next thing just isn't working. Uh, now, they're saying it's not working for, for a couple of, diff- you know, for different reasons. Uh, the developers over at Real Estate Council of Austin will say this isn't allowing us to build dense enough. Uh, and the neighborhoods will say this is actually going too dense, and it's going to you know push people out with you know affordability. It's going to make you know exacerbate the problems that we've already got. Mm-hmm. Um, so how we uh, get around that, um, I don't think that we ever will. I don't. I think it's like having um, close to two million cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And and you're not going to get a consensus, and everybody's going to have their own things that they hold close to their heart, depending on what their perspective is. And they're all important. Um, and, uh, and so I, I don't, you know, it, it's going to be tough and it's going to require the citizens of Austin to put aside some of their personal qualms with Code Next and embrace what would be good for the city overall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I, you know, what's good for the city overall, I don't, you know, way beyond, way over my head. Yeah, we're not, that, we're not elected. So. <laughs> and, and, that, and this is part of the problem is a lot of this is over everybody's head. Um, and so, you know, over here at the Business Journal, um, you know, in terms of our coverage, all we can kind of say is, um, well, let's put a lot of our eggs in the basket of the people who are going to have to work with this code day in and day out. What are they saying about it? Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, they actually understand and they can put actual projects to the test and say, say, you know, oh, well, you wanted to do this with the code, but actually the end result is not that. So just because the code says it, you know, it aims to, to achieve these objectives doesn't necessarily mean it will uh, you know, get the result, achieve those objectives. So, um, so, you know, where it goes now, we're going to have a, a few public comments. Uh, in fact, it's so near and dear to my, I've got actually a, a 
I keep this with me. What is uh, that? And this is just the list of public hearings on Code Next. Well, and, tomorrow uh, morning. Yeah, April 28th at, at 10 a.m. We'll be there. Uh, Tuesday, May 1st at 4 p.m., May 29th uh, over at uh, Austin City Hall. And then Saturday, June 2nd over at City Hall is another one at 10 a.m. So, um, you know, this is important. I don't think a lot of people really understand what's in the code. And you mm -hmm. can look at the code, you know, people like you and me. But... It's tough for us to even understand it when you look into look at it and dive into it because we're not land development experts, mm -hmm. um, and and so um, you know I think a lot of us will have to just say, well I hope these experts figure it out because I I can't. Yeah, and do you think you know there's still a question too? Um, you know, the city clerk just uh, validated the the the, I guess the petitions yeah. that would look to, to put, put this on the ballot, on the ballot the referendum uh, ballot in November, November elections. Um, I know there's still questions, though, uh, court challenges on whether that's even that's yeah, possible by our state charter. Yeah, there's technicalities on whether or not, yeah. because it's a zoning issue and you can put it on a, mm -hmm. on a ballot. So, yeah, that, that's just one of 2,000 obstacles, you know, this code, you know, rewrite is facing right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, it, it's tough at this point for, for anybody to be able to, I think, stand up and say, oh, yeah, this is this. This has got a good shot of, you know, being implemented. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, our clients ask us all the time. I mean, right now it's really, we're, we're watching, but I think uh, um, even without the referendum, the ballot, that going to a vote in November, um, you know, it's, yeah. nothing's, I think nothing's really certain right now. We're right. watching and, you know, things have changed, obviously, by the week. Yeah. I think getting through these public hearings will be a step, but. Yeah, it's it's gone very slow. I think we spent about eight million dollars. Um, you know, uh, if if you add it up, it's you know we're probably looking at years here since we've been you know moving towards this point. Um, and yet a lot of people you know urging, hey, just blow it all up and start over. Um, and whether or not that's the right thing to do, I don't know. Um, but I, but I do know that um, you know it's par for our course, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, we in this town so? take, take a lot of time to plan things uh, or get to the planning of it. And, you know, you can see that we suffer from some of those things nowadays, you know, um, our lack of, of foresight and, and planning. Um, and, uh, and so there's a lot of worry out there that uh, we won't get it done. Like, like we can't get light rail done. Like mm -hmm. we can't get a lot of, you know, a lot of things done. Um, you know, for the people who believe that we need to get those things done, it, you know, I, I can see the frustration in their eyes when I talk to them. Mm -hmm. um, let's touch on rideshare for a second. I mean, yeah. Rideshare to me, I mean, you know, Uber, Lyft, uh, dockless bikes, and then most recently scooters. Um, just what, you know, it's, it's something, I know council, we, ha we hadn't had a chance to look at the ordinance. They passed an ordinance last night. Yeah, they just did council hours on, in the morning, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, on, on the ride on scooter share and I think it incorporated dockless as well bikes as well. Right. Look, look yeah. at that. Um, just from a from a business perspective, right? I mean, we were when Bird launched Bird being one of the um, scooter share companies launched uh, preemptively in Austin. Yeah. Um, you know, our our minds immediately went back to the the uh, car share battles. Just uh, like Uber Lyft, Lyft, which was yeah. a year ago. But yeah. I look at it now and you know, I mean the ordinance went through. They they, you know, quote unquote, one will have to move to a state, a state, um, state law, which may still come down the pipe anyway. That's right. Um, just what, just what, what are your overall thoughts on that? Just as a, you know, this was like if we were like doing a play-by-play -play analysis from the sidelines. 
Yeah, I was, I yeah. was, that was, I was, I can't, you know, we were, we were impressed with their boldness on that bird. Um, yeah. And then, you know, line bike followed suit with it, with, you know, saying, well, they're operating here, with, you know, un, untouched. We yeah. should too. And they did. And it kind of seemed to it's, force the city's hand on that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's, it's fascinating to watch these uh, disruptors disrupt things. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's, that's what they do. And, um, you know, by nature, you can't plan for that <laughs> you know it's tough to well and they, and they tried um, to right they, i mean because yeah, yeah. the, the dockless bike deal came yeah. out or the, the the dockless the idea of a program to to study dockless bikes and then take that study and do the pilot launch less than a month ago i think early april did okay early okay. april i believe we believe in and then from there two weeks later bird launch and now we have we are today. Yeah, and so yeah. the city was trying, I think, to be proactive, I mean, taking lessons from what happened you know, in the city of Dallas over the summer right. with how they were doing their bike share. But it, uh, it, yeah, it's it. You know, the main thing that I can really do is just kind of speak to the mentality of these companies. And their mindset is that, um, you know, they would rather, um, you know, uh, have their hands slapped and actually pay some fines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in order to uh, to get to market first and to have that competitive uh, advantage. Uh, you know, they look at it and they say things like, um, well, yeah, we'll have to pay, uh, you know, $100,000 in fines if we do this. But if we do this, we can make $200,000, you know. And, you know, uh, give us just, you know, a long-term one-up on our, on our competitors. Um, and a lot of them, uh, in fact, all of them have, done that under the assumption of the rules will catch up to us yeah and the rules always do catch up to them yeah you know and uh and, and and you know we haven't had a case where a company has come in tried to do something and then had to leave you know and, and uber and, and lyft were kind of technically that way uh but but you know for different reasons but nobody has proposed a business solution uh that is unacceptable to society uh and then uh had to go you know with their with tail between their legs mm-hmm. all of these disruptors have come in sometimes you know brash and and breaking the rules um but they know that society wants this and will accept this so mm-hmm. let's just grit our teeth bear it out until the wheels of government can catch up to us uh and and you know let's let's just do it um you know one thing i'm, I'm fascinated by uh though is the lack of public discussion on uh the safety uh, aspects of it all, you know, the, with the, the scooters, with the, the bikes, with or? the scooters, yeah, with the scooters primarily, you know, the, the bikes can get up above 15 miles an hour, but the scooters, I believe are capped at that. And, uh, you know, I've just seen people out there, uh, just yesterday when I was making my commute out of downtown guy, no helmet on his, you know, with the, with the scooter, you know, weaving across three lanes and then the traffic stopped. So then he got onto the sidewalk and then when the traffic started moving again, he got back onto the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's breaking the law. He, you know, he, he is in the wrong. Uh, and there are already rules out there to, you know, to, to rectify that. Um, but, uh, but we need a, a better education, uh, I think, of the people who are going to use these at the very least um, if, if, uh, if it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just going to, you know, I, let's see the first, uh, you know, forbid, forbid, you know uh, accident or death that happens out there. That's going to spark the conversation that I'm wondering why we're not having it already, mm-hmm. you know, at this time. Um, but, uh, but no, yeah, cause all of the rules have related to, um, making these companies compliant with, with laws and basically levying fees on them. So I think it's 30 or $60, uh, 
um, per vehicle or per scooter for every six months that the city says, as long as you pay us, you know, these fees, you can run this business. Yeah, and the fees here. are primarily because they're using right of way. They are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's completely, yeah, 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 reasonable and, and, and should be expected. Yeah. You know, we um, we've spoken previously with um, um, the more conservative leaning group, uh, uh, Rob Inicky, the Texas Public Policy Foundation, mm-hmm. um, and. On just on sharing economy, but in particular his thoughts on the role of a city, or role role of government, right, and, and with particularly these disruptive technologies. And you know he you know had he had his thoughts on that and his views on that, and you know more of a, of a limited basis that government should should have a role in that. And yeah. he touched on safety as one. I mean, just to, what beyond what what, were you, what are your your personal on, on ABJ thoughts on. Um, just the role of a city, and then in relation to the state government, right, with these new technologies, because they happen right. so fast, really, in, issue, in terms of who is better suited to yeah. be able to be on the ground and know how it impacts their citizens. Yeah. Well, I mean, on, on a local level, you know, um, I've seen cities that um, don't allow commercial development in the city limits, uh, and they want to be completely, uh, you know, bedroom bedroom community um you know i've I've seen uh you know what a lot of people would say are pretty you know outlandish rules uh if that's the way that those cities want to live and operate it's a it's a free country (laughs) um you know uh if if that is what the you know the citizens if they you know rightfully do it through whatever means um or if that's what the city charter you know was established to do if it's a if it's a new city um you know uh as long as it passes all the the legal you know uh, qualifications uh i've seen municipalities do some and, and and have the ability rightly so to do some pretty interesting wacky things out there mm-hmm. um so uh you know i you know it's uh uh you know, all I can say is that uh, um, municipalities, state governments, federal governments um, are operating in a whole new world because we all are, um, you know, with this uh, digital age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is literally creating virtual worlds uh, that, that, you know, uh, maybe need to have their own rules. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, all gets, uh, it all gets very sticky, very complex. Um, and, uh, and, and in terms of, uh, you know, should a city be allowed to do this or, you know, or should businesses be allowed to do this? Uh, you always got to tackle it on a very case by case basis. Uh, everything's different. Yeah. Um, so any other, other final thoughts you have just on what, where you are in the city? I mean, uh, I know we have elections coming up for our council mayoral race going we into do. the fall. Um, yeah. you know, just any, I guess maybe it's too early to tell some some of the districts, right? But any just predictions or thoughts on the, you know, just overall the council and its current iteration with the ten one system, having ten council districts and a yeah and a citywide elected mayor is, um, you know, still in its infancy, You're right? Rel- relative infancy, um, yeah. Just you know, just from what you're hearing from folks in the community, the business community, I mean, what are their thoughts on it? And then, you know, as we go forward, just uh, you know, if you had to give a scorecard, I guess, right now, and then put you in the yeah, house and yeah. everything, but just, you know, I, I always well, tell people, people who aren't <laughs> around City Hall all the time, you know, this is a relatively new system, and right. I think it's still evolving. I think, you know, my personal views, I think it's evolving for the better. I think we have a more, 
being used to growing up in Austin, I think it's a more representative government than we've had in the previous iteration was totally at large. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's still going to take time to, to evolve. Yeah. Well, the main thing that I'm hearing from the business community in regard to the, uh, to the city council is there is the concern, and I don't know if this is a new concern, but it does seem to be uh, getting louder than it has been over the past 20 years since I've been an observer of the intersection of the public and private sector here. But I'm hearing more uh, out there from business community that we don't have a very business-friendly uh, you know, government or, or atmosphere here. Um, again, I'm not sure, you know, how, how new, new that is. Um, you know, I remember, uh, when I first started reporting, uh, really in depth on Austin in the 1990s, uh, it was always the, uh, stories about the, uh, developers versus the environmentalists, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, there, there was always, uh, that struggle. Um, and, uh, and you had, uh, the city passing rules like the Save Our Springs ordinance, which limit, limits development, you know, over the, uh, over the aquifer. Um, so, you know, I think there, there's always been that contingent of the business crowd that will say, yeah, they're not too friendly, uh, you know, for business and for newcomers and, uh, and for growth. Um, but, uh, but like I said, I think it's, it's, uh, I've heard, I've heard more, you know, more of those gripes, I guess you could say from the business community recently, um, whether or not they're going to, you know, do anything, uh, about it or be able to do anything about that. I'm not sure. Cause if you look at the makeup of our city, Pretty liberal population, um, you know, who, uh, you know, who, uh, you know, sometimes butts heads with, you know, the people that we cover over at the Austin Business Journal. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I think also too, you could probably ask any business person in in any town in America. Hey, is your city council business friendly? And then, yeah, you're going to find a good <laughs> percentage enough. that say no. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. We'll call them big for your time. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, AJ. All right. Take Likewise. care. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You can find this and other recordings at www.binghamgp.com backslash podcast. Thank you.